Hello everyone, welcome back to the channel, best place for long-term stock investors. Now today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, this is going to be our mini podcast. Uh, we're going to be discussing a few things. So number one, we're going to be talking about China and why is it down so bad. Uh, we're also going to be discussing about what's happening to Meta. I mean, I believe it's down about 60 over percent for the past one year. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty uh Shock, shocking to know about these stats. And last but not least, we're going to be talking about stable income and this is stable income as stable as it sounds and how do you actually improve your active income. So stay tuned. As a disclaimer, none of what we say should be taken as financial advice. If you need that sort of advice, please seek to a professional. And we do not own any shares in Meta, Alibaba, and Tencent. Also, coming on November 3rd, we have a live training just for you if you're interested in learning how you should prepare yourself for 2023 as an investor. As you know, 2022 has been really, really difficult we don't want you to continue feeling that pain going into the next year. So hop on to our training. If you're interested to join, you can click on the link in the comment section or the description. Yo. Okay, MJ. So the Hang Seng Index has fallen about 35% in year to date. Uh, so what's happening, man? I, I mean, I've read the news that yep. their, their GDP has actually improved like 3.9% yep. for the third quarter as right. compared to last year, but the stock market is actually not doing well. So what's no. happening? Uh, so I think with the stock market, there are several reasons. The first one is definitely the recent uh, cabinet reshuffle mm. by President Xi. Mm. So a lot of it is filled up with loyalists. And a lot of the international media, a big chunk of that will be the Western media, are not comfortable with that sort of arrangement because, uh, you know, they think like, that she, President Xi might be um, not too favorable of market reforms. Now, context is that for most of China's history since around 1979 mm. when uh, you know uh, Deng Xiaoping which is the second uh, president of the Chinese Communist Party second leader uh, actually wanted to transform China's economy into a uh, from a more communist type into some sort of mixed economy where you know they call it today state capitalism uh, so it's just the uh government trying to push for market reforms. So it become more free market, uh, more capitalism. Uh, you have companies, mm. you have good people who can trade goods or services within China and outside of China and things like ah, that. So is it, uh, of course, from what, from my understanding from China, they are more of a communist-based uh, kind of uh, economy from the past. Mm. And then they are slowly opening up to the economy. They're trying to become more capitalist. Well, actually, they, they have opened up. So, you know, you had Deng Xiaoping. Then yep. After that, you got Jiang Zemin mm. and then Hu Jintao, right? Um, 2002 was like, you can say their big break where they got invited into the World Trade Organization. Mm, yep. And so everything skyrocketed from there because then now uh, they are in this trading block where a lot of trade restrictions are now lowered. So mm. then suddenly, and of course, China, the, some of the cheapest manufacturing happens in China. Not only that, they can pretty much manufacture anything you want from a Simpsons, Homer, Homer Simpsons below to you know these equipments that we are using today. Mm. So they got really big. Um, but everything started to change a little bit, or at least people from the outside looking in says that uh, President Xi feels that, you know, uh, they've swung, China has swung too much into capitalism and then now it needs to go back to a bit more communism and more mm. socialism. Right? That's ah. the simple way of understanding. La. Right. And um, that's why he started using things like Xi Jinping thought, uh, which is very, uh, if you know, the history is what Mao Zedong would do, right? You have a book based on Mao Zedong thought, right? And then so President Xi is also doing mm. something similar. Not only that, um, President Xi uh, is also coming up with or using what he calls common prosperity as a way to, you know, grow the economy. Correct. So yeah. he, he wants to, you know, make sure that 
oral classes uh, can get a big chunk of the pie as yeah. well. So naturally, when you do things like that, uh, what, what it really means, and again, it's nice sounding words, right? Common prosperity. But what it really means is that now, president uh, uh the government will get way more involved in the different industries whether mm -hmm. it's uh, real estate whether it's the tech you know as we've seen from uh, alibaba as uh, before that uh, tencent yep uh they actually um they are in gaming and then the chinese government got involved and said no kids cannot game after like 10 p.m yeah. something like that and then with alibaba as we know they block and financial you know things like that Correct. so that's the first one the second one and, and of course as President Xi fill up his cabinet with more, or his parliament, with more um, of loyalists, then he's less likely to change. And right. so when it, outside investors look at that, they say like, yeah, this is not good for companies because they're going to invest and the Chinese government is going to come in and try to put a ceiling on, let's say, the number of profit or revenue I can grow. That's not a good look. The second thing is also the Chinese, the, the zero COVID policy, mm. which is not the... Uh, not the best, um, right? It, it, it damages supply chains. Uh, consumers cannot spend, which means businesses cannot function right. as well. Okay, so this is actually for my own personal yes, question. Yes. Uh, how does it differ? Like, how does China's uh, policy differ from the Russia? Like, oh, yeah. is is it like are they? Cause they're going back to communism, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, is it something like uh, like something like Russia? Yeah, so I assume you're referring to the USSR, right? Correct. The Soviet yes, Union. Yes. Uh, it, it's not likely because here's the thing. What what China is uh, very aware is that they do want to swing into extremes. So even though President Xi wants to get more involved in the economy and try to meddle more in these companies, it will not go back to the times of, uh, you know, like the Soviet Union yep. where, you know, companies cannot make a profit or, you know, it's very much controlled. Everything's controlled by the state. That's not what they want to do. Uh, but it does represent a trend change. La. So they were moving in one direction, mm -hmm. becoming more like the West, quote unquote, where it's a lot more free and things like that uh, market-wise. But now he's, uh, it's just a reversal of the trend. Mm -hmm. But the checkpoint, right, of a Soviet Union, I think that is not something that, China themselves won because they've seen uh, how the free market, how free trade, capitalism and all that have allowed their own people, uh, their own, you know, uh, political party, right, essentially, to become so rich and that they can, in their cities are the envy of many people, mm. right, Shanghai, Beijing and all that. So uh, I don't think they will go back to... Like, like building their own empire, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, right. They might want to build the empire, but uh, they won't get like rid of a lot of yeah. capitalism. Okay, stuff. so just now you mentioned Alibaba and Tencent. So these two companies is yeah. pretty interesting because I believe uh, some of our viewers also are investors of yeah. these two companies. Uh, and if you look at Alibaba's, uh, well, let's just say like a, maybe even two to three years time frame is actually yeah. dropped about 70%. Yeah, yeah from yeah. the peak about, I believe it's around 300 to now $60. Yeah. And Charlie Munger is also heavily invested in yeah, this company. Yeah. Yeah. So when will we see the light at the end of this time? Yeah, yeah so you, you need to understand the two separate things, okay? So we tend to associate, for example, if the economy grows, then the stock market will grow. Correct. So, uh, yeah. A lot of this is based on our experience in um, the US, right? We learn a lot about investing from the US and that's largely true, right? Um, in Malaysia, somewhat the same thing as well, but of course we have the element of politics and the way our KLCI is set up is very different from like the SMP. So you can't really see much based on that. Uh, unfortunately, in China's case, right, uh, even if you look at whether it's the Hang Seng, the Shenzhen Index, the Shanghai Composite and all that, uh, generally, they don't, like the economy can grow like four or five times, but the stock market can grow maybe only like 50, 60% mm. uh, or less. And the reason is because in order for a stock market to flourish at the same way that uh, an economy will, what you need to do is that you need a lot of investor protection. That means you 
really need to care about investor lah, right? You have rights as an investor. You can vote. You can complain. Uh, things like that. Uh, that is large. Uh, very true in America. Uh, somewhat true in Malaysia, but in China, uh, I don't think investors, especially foreign investors, uh, are as protected. Uh, and the reason is because, uh, well, rather the reason why foreign investors are important to look at is because. Um, a lot of people in China, a lot of their wealth is tied up to real estate and they actually don't have like that much disposable income in the stock market. And they also, I think, they have an extreme line in China, right? Either they uh, they love the stock market because there's a gambling element to it or they really don't like it because it's absolutely volatile. Whereas Western investors see the stock market as a wealth building tool rather than a speculative tool. That's why if you look at like in the US, uh, and to a small extent in Malaysia, uh, the they have this thing called four zero one k, which is their uh, a retirement fund, yeah, that something kind of thing like that. that. Yeah, uh, and it's linked to the stock market. Mm. So they've yep. always saw the stock market as a well building tool, but not uh, the Chinese. So like foreign investors need to come in and to have um, you know faith, but uh, they have been selling lah a lot right mm. the past few months. Right, because I've noticed that. Uh, both Alibaba and actually Tencent, right? Uh, well, if you look yeah. at Tencent, it's also like dropping like forty four percent. Both of their financials are actually pretty decent. Yeah. Like, but the only thing that is uh, the only thing that is stopping them from growing the uh, true market value is actually politics, right? Yeah, mainly it's politics, and it's a lot of it is expectations. So I think a lot of investors are looking at. Um, you know, the fundamentals of Tencent and Alibaba and all that. And it's, yeah, it's growing, you know, um, you know, I assume free cash flow and all that is growing as well. Yes. Revenue, whatnot. Um, yeah, let's look at the, the free cash flow. Yeah, you can see, right, it's generally, generally growing. Yeah. Um, but I think investors need to also realize that um, how secure are these profits? Yep. You know, and in investors generally, I would say are more okay with things like business competition or threats to the profits, right? Competition or whatever. But the one thing that a lot of investors don't like, especially, you know, those in the West, uh, regulatory. Mm. Because with a business condition, let's say deteriorate, um, in a way as a company, you have the ability to control it, right? So uh, if more competition come in, then maybe you produce a better product. Mm -hmm. If the entire, let's say if you are linked to, you know, commodities, well then you control your costs or you try to, you know, hedge contracts, whatever. Lah. So those are more within the control. And so as an investor, you can at least have some faith that the management could, can do that. Mm. But when something like regulation comes in, um, it's not something that no matter how good the management is, they can't do it, right? And, you know, in, in, in China, they want to avoid a situation like the US where the people who control the United States are the big corporations. Correct. They're the one uh, providing election money. They are the one, you know, you know the dominant. The two, 2008 financial crisis, that one's the yeah, classic, the right. classic example. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, final thoughts on whether will this last for the next few years? Do you think that Foreign investors will still continue to stay away from China. I think, I think it's a. I think yes, they will continue to stay away. Uh, personally, I'm not heavily invested in China. Mm. Um, for actually another reason uh, the reason is because uh, I I actually just watched a video by I can't remember his name really uh, something macro already, and he came up. Uh, he he researched this paper. He found this paper and made a video out of it that basically showed that, uh, hey, they compare, right? GDP growth versus uh, electricity consumption. Mm. And then he they create a, a graph and then make a differentiation between authoritarian e economies e and- to to Totalitarian. No, authoritarian and uh, democracies. Oh, okay. So what he found out was that, uh, so GDP, the way that it's uh, being like calculated, right? is um, there'll be some sort of centralized platform uh, in the case of the US is the US Bureau of Economic Analysis mm. and they will go to each industry and then collect data uh, systematically 
then produce, calculate the number, lah, right? Same with uh, China. China will have their own way of doing it. So in the US, you can roughly trust it because uh, the bureau actually operates independent of the government. Yeah. Yeah, that's the state government, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, but in China, it's the same. Ah. Uh, right? So in the US, media, bureau, and president separate. separate. Correct. Yeah. Independent. In China, media and uh, these ah, yeah. departments are all under the mm. government. So what happens is that, again, there's no guarantee, but what the uh, Chinese uh, or any authoritarian regime can do is to play with the numbers. Right. Correct. Right. So, um, but one thing you cannot fake actually is electricity uh, consumption. Right, so and you can see this from satellite. You can roughly calculate. Yep. So what this guy did was he he did that and he noticed right the differences between electricity consumption growth and GDP growth is biggest when it's an authoritarian regime, meaning to say that overreporting uh, is more prone in authoritarian regimes by a factor of thirty five percent. Wow. So uh, why why does all this matter? Right, is because. Um, if you invest, you need to invest with, uh, like, with good data. Correct. Yeah, it must be transparent. Must be clean. You cannot. If you fake Correct. it, yeah. I exactly. Mean, the auditors will actually make sound, but yes. in this case, yes. it is under in one system. And it's yeah, not just okay, GDP okay. figures, right? Even one figure that I used a lot, the PMI, um, is also different, right? In mm. uh, like there's there's the main one which you can find then that's the Kaisin, the C-A-I-X-I-N one. So the C-A-I-X-I one, if I'm not mistaken, is the more, uh, what do you call it, the, the more independent one. And then there's one like the Chinese official figures. Hmm. Even that also got the discrepancies. Wow. Right, right, yeah. Okay, okay. So what I'm trying to say is, uh, when these things are happening, it's gonna be a lot harder to invest. And yeah. Uh, you need a generally open economy with independent institutions for people to trust. And that's why even if Chinese economy can grow, assuming the numbers are right, that doesn't mean the, the, the stock market will grow. All right. So honestly, uh, what does this mean for you as an investor? Uh, we know, I know a lot of people who are anti-China for the reasons I gave, but a lot of people are also pro-China because for them, they see like, you know, uh, only when the waters are, a bit blur, then that's when you get a lot of opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the Chinese word for, uh, what's it? Risk, I think, is uh, like, there's, there's opportunity. Yeah, there's, okay, so for you Chinese, right? It's yes. called Wei Ji. Yes. Wei. So there's like, when there's opportunity, there's also risk. And then when yes. there's risk, there's also opportunity. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of people who are very, very poor Chinese. They say, now it's absolutely uh, cheap, you know, uh, this is the time to get in. But of course, these are the same people who said, you know, two years ago, and cheap just got cheaper, so you really have to think for yourself uh, as a as an investor. Now, another follow up question you might ask is: If you are going into the Chinese market, how will you go about it? And how I would go about it is to actually not focus on all these big names. Uh, I would say, right? Focus on the smaller names. Uh, you probably have to diversify a little bit more because mm. you know. Uh, volatility can be a lot higher and also um, maybe disclosures and all that are a bit lower as well. Mm, so yep. there's that okay. risk. And that's an interesting fact for those investors who don't know yes. much about China and their policy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the next segment, we're going to be talking about Meta. So yes. stay tuned. All right, guys, if you didn't know, we have a one-on-one -on -one mentorship program where you can apply for, where we level up your stock investing based on tailor-made solutions. If you're interested, you need to apply. Not all of you all will get into an interview. It's only 20% of you all will do it and even fewer will get to hop on the program. But if you're confident that you can qualify, you can click on the link and fill in your details in the comment section or the description. All right, we're back. So now the metaverse. Wow. Okay, so if you don't know already, uh, the share price for the meta platform actually tumbled 31% in just one month. 
Mm. Yeah, okay. So uh, this is actually a pretty interesting company that we actually, uh, some of our members in our SIB group actually yep. did mention, uh, ask about, like whether, what do, I, what do we think about Meta? And I was actually pretty not too keen about investing in Meta. Sure. Yeah, so for several reasons, uh, I can give a very brief one. So number one is uh, the emergence of TikTok. So there's a right. lot of competition for big data and also uh, the consumption of using that particular app. So definitely TikTok is one of the emerging competitor mm -hmm. for Meta. Uh, yeah. Number two is the uh, average revenue per user is actually decreasing. It's flat, yeah. yeah, it's flatline, but it's actually decreasing a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is something I'm also pretty concerned about. How are they going to improve like advertisement or maybe even help business owner to educate them yeah. on yeah. How, to yeah. how to advertise better in the Meta platform. And the third point, um, if I'm not mistaken, is that they are spending heavily on the Metaverse. Huge, uh, yeah. huge on R&D. Yes, yeah, so they are spending 40, billions. Uh, 34 to 39 billion. Yeah, so cumulatively, uh, uh, from year to date, la, they actually dis disclosed that they spent about 9 billion. Yeah. Yeah, so they actually- and more is coming, more is coming. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. So yeah, uh, MJ, what do you think about the Metaverse? I mean, we can, before we go into the financial, uh, yeah. as a company, as a whole, what do you think about it? Um, okay, so one thing to note also is that uh, you mentioned about TikTok just now. Mm. Um, actually, they are actually doing quite well uh, oh. in in uh, fending off TikTok competition. Mm. So uh, they reported, right? Uh, you know, I'll just read out right, right, reels, which continues to grow quickly across our apps, both in production and consumption. There are now more than 140 billion reels plays across Facebook and Instagram each day. That's a 50% increase from six months ago. Correct. So okay. if you analyze it, right, it's yeah. potentially 100%. Right. But the reels, do they like differentiate? Because reels, you can also post TikTok videos, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indirectly. They don't really like disclose what are the content inside the reel, right? I mean, it would be interesting if they did like separate, like let's say how many of the IG reels is actually coming from TikTok platform, mm -hmm. how, how many is actually from the IG reel itself. Yes. Yeah. So that is something that maybe we as an investor, we need to know. Yeah. Like, what is that data? You mean yeah. like if they cross share and all that? Correct, cross sharing. Yeah, yes. yeah, potentially. So the 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 thing is, I think for Facebook, uh, historically they've managed to just acquire like the yep. companies, right? Mm. Whether it's Oculus, WhatsApp, and all that. But what they uh need to do now with TikTok is to just match it. So they don't. I don't think you can outdo TikTok. Mm. But one advantage they have over TikTok is, they, that is that they already actually have a revenue model, right? With the, what they call the family of apps. Yes. Where essentially, you know, um, they can, uh, you know, rely on Facebook advertising and things like that. Yes, even though uh, average revenue per user is dropping, uh, it's still very free cash flow generative and Correct. very powerful. Mm. Now, that's where they are planning to go into the uh, metaverse, is it? Metaverse and mm. spending big, right? They are they are redirecting a lot of resources into the metaverse. Mm. Now, of course, what that will look like exactly, you know, uh, yeah, we, yeah. See, yeah, we still we'll, don't know. We, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, however, the thing is, if they don't do that, where else can they go? There are so yeah. many users on. I mean, they even right. changed the name to Metaverse. So yeah, exactly. it's kind of like a big commitment idea like you put exactly. to the public. Yeah. So for me, uh, even though I'm not invested, what I will say is that a lot of the fundamentals are generally still there. Correct. Um, it's just that Facebook as a stock has always been built as a growth stock, right? Um, a lot of that is going away. Mm. Yep. And then now with them spending into CapEx, what that will do to the PL is that depreciation is gonna start becoming a bigger factor. Lah. Mm. And when that happens, earnings will Correct. be uh, you know compressed. Lah. So that is actually pretty true. So if you look at the, the sun, yeah. yeah, it's actually dropping fifty-two percent uh in the yeah. past for the past three months. I mean if you compare between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Exactly. Yeah. So uh that is the overall view if you actually read their uh, quarterly's report. 
Uh, and another thing, yeah. So you mentioned falling report. Yep. It's happening, of course, because they are spending, right now they are actually spending a lot of money correct, in R&D, la, uh, essentially. Uh, yeah. Uh, segment breakdown, if you look at it, we know that their family of apps revenue is actually pretty flat line. Yeah. It, it's not like really growing that tremendously. Yeah. Uh, but their reality labs revenue has been dropping. Uh, yeah. So that is actually a pretty fun fact for you guys if you don't know already, even though they are heavily spending on money to actually grow uh, it. Grow it but I, think, I, I think that's where the whole, that's why it's an experiment. Yes. And that's why I'm staying away from Meta mostly because uh, we, I don't know whether it work out. See, I think yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is doing the right thing. But just because they he does the right thing doesn't mean it's going to work out. I know mm. it sounds a bit weird, but Basically, that's yeah, it, yeah right? it makes sense. It makes sense. He has to move into something that is like exciting enough to be bigger than what he already has. And there's not very few things that can do that. Mm. It's actually similar to the electric vehicle 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like Elon Musk, did, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Tesla has been like around for the past like 10 exactly. to even 20 years already. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that he has been experimenting how to make costs more efficient. Then finally, yeah. boom, profit. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I want to. To, to share here as well is that, you know, in terms of paid paid messaging and, you know, what what they call a click-to-messaging ads, they have a 9 billion run rate. It's quite mm. crazy. So just to read out, click-to-messaging ads, business run ads on Facebook and Instagram that start a threat uh, on uh, Messenger, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp or Instagram direct so they can communicate with customers directly. So that's actually uh, huge. Like it's actually growing really well. And then like for WhatsApp, right? Or what they call click to WhatsApp, it's up like 80%. Mm. So where they can do better, they are already doing better. Reels, WhatsApp, things that they've never uh, monetized as much in the past. But again, how do you move the needle, right? 27 billion, 27, 28 billion, one quarter. You drag that uh, out, that's 120 are, billion. Uh, uh, yeah. what? Actually, they, are, they have actually captured the whole world except for China. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so, and so in fact, like, if you look at it objectively, the reason th the reason why TikTok is probably better than uh, Facebook, yes, no doubt the algorithm is good. I just checked on my phone that day, right? Thirty percent of my time on the phone is on TikTok, mm. and it's number one now. No, it's not YouTube anymore. But YouTube is still about thirty percent, twenty high twenties. Yeah, right. It's about the same. So. But they can rest on the China growth or the China revenues and sales and all that. But if you take, and, and, and Facebook doesn't have that. In fact, Facebook, the government is attacking them. Yep, that's, right? that's very true. But yeah. in China, the government protects that's them, it. right? With not allowing Facebook to get in, basically. Yeah. This is the same story for Alibaba with Amazon uh, and all that. So there's nothing to take away from what the Chinese companies have uh, done, which is fantastic. TikTok, Tencent, all that. But you put yourself in Mark Zuckerberg's position, uh, he's doing everything he can do, right? Reels, I think they make two, three billion a year. Mm. Fantastic. That is where it is. But guess what? Two, three billion, how is it going to affect, you know, uh, a sales yes. of 120 billion odd? Mm. That you can't. And I, I can't remember how many users there are on Facebook really. Uh, that's why I, why I right. mentioned the whole world except for China. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. actually going to be the whole world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then of course you people can say like Africa, for example, a lot of them don't have internet access, and they might be a growth sector. Yeah, may, maybe, but that that's a really really long shot. Mm. So all the big markets, right? Uh, whether it's uh, of course North America, Europe, uh, Asia, X China, ASEAN. Like Facebook's everywhere. Where right. can they grow? That the only way is to do metaverse. But unfortunately, to do metaverse stuff, over the next one or two years, they're gonna have spend a lot. Yes. Right. And to um, it, it's it's still gonna be uh, like what you mentioned, uh, experimental phase. Uh. It's yes. I mean, as an investor, you cannot really expect like this business will turn profitable anytime soon, right? Because it's still like uh, like like what I mentioned, it's still like the EV, very early EV phase. Like nobody knows the tech behind EV. Nobody knows how to make it more cost efficient yeah, yeah. and all the stuff. So what 
Mark Zuckerberg is doing right now is actually what is happening during the early EV phase. Uh. That's yeah. how I explain it. Uh. Yeah. And but uh if there is uh, some good news, uh they reported uh, right, they do expect like Capex to come down as a percentage of sales over time. Mm. Uh roughly you're looking at after twenty twenty three, uh they do expect for this to start to wane or flatline at least. But they do expect right after twenty twenty three for the re- results and all that to come in. Mm. So um, investing is never like black and white, super easy to figure out. Um, at the end of the day, my my personal policy when investing is, I generally avoid the big names. Mm, I, yeah. I, like I generally I'm, avoid them. Yeah, I mean, because they're too well covered already, right? They do well, no, that and also because they, they generally hit their limit already. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah, they are in the cash cow position. Uh. Yeah, in the, like mean, a peak uh, in that maturity state, maturity Met- phase. Meta, meta, like, you know, today we talk about meta and struggling or that, but we forget, right? They created an industry and then they dominated the industry, mm. right? Now, the only name I would say that has the ability to be at a big, large cap segment, but could grow even bigger, potentially Tesla. Because uh, the industry itself is still quite young, um, and I mean, we haven't even talked about the uh, automon- autonomous taxi drivers. Yeah, yeah. There's so yeah, many things, lorry drivers, a lot of things, whatever. Yeah. But of course, the challenge with Tesla, unlike Facebook, is that Tesla can have a lot more competition. Now, the competition now is absolutely rubbish. But I think that uh, recently Tesla um, announced, right, they they were free cash flow generative, really, finally. Correct, yep. Now, a lot of people, investors are cheering that for good reason. Um, even though the stock is down like 40 over percent. <laughs> but of course the market is always forward looking. So yep. this is what investors saw one, two years ago. Uh, however, where Tesla and Facebook uh, differs is that although Tesla is really at a high, uh, sorry, Meta is really a high, it's, it's like dipping down a little bit, all that. The, their dip down can be a lot slower simply because they're so dominant in where they are. Nobody's coming to eat their pie. Now Tesla is in a growth phase yeah. and they are right on top number one as the growth phase, right? And they're growing, they, are, they grow at 50% yeah. a year, something like that. The challenge is that they may not be alone, whereas Meta is alone, right? Mm. Uh, so now, because now a lot of the companies, right, around the world looking at Tesla and say, hey, look, they are free cash flow generative really. Let's just copy. Yeah, this is Correct. this is I think one of the biggest results. Yes, for sure the competition has been absolutely rubbish for Tesla. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Right. So yeah, that's actually our thought on the metaverse. So I hope yeah. you guys get a lot of insight from our discussion. Uh, and in our final segment, we're gonna be talking about a more general kind yes. of topic. It is whether stable income is is it really stable, yeah. and how do you actually improve your active income? All right. If you're enjoying the video so far, remember to like, comment, subscribe, click on the notification bell so that whenever new videos pop, you know it fresh. Okay, guys. So if you want to improve your active income, or you definitely want to listen to this discussion right here. Okay, so the myth about active income, right? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure during your parents' generation, they always tell you to, uh, I mean, back then, yeah. how they actually get like a stable job or how do they improve their income is actually first step, you have to study well, uh, yep. yeah, get good grades. Then the second step is to get a stable job. I mean, anything that has to do with doctor, engineer or lawyer, you're pretty set for life. Yeah. And then the third point that they say, once you get this job, you can make good money. Mm. So that is, yeah, way of thinking back then in the generation. Yeah. All right. But in reality, uh, right now in 2022, uh, we know that good grades don't actually really mean anything in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, for some industry. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, except for the, I'll say the medicine, uh, certain engineering or software engineering, that one is still fine. But if you want to talk about business, if you want to talk about accounts, I mean, generally, even though if you score well, right, it doesn't really necessarily let, will lend you a job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually the reason why we should choose to go to college or even universities, mm-hmm. right? 
actually the main reason is not to get good grades. Uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, I mean, personally, I actually, uh, th- this is something that I uh, realized. Because uh, back then in uni, I was actually very studious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and all of my friends, right, they were busy building relationship and networking. I mm. mean, how I see is relationship and networking is that they always hang out. Yep. And then, they are, and then after university, they are still very close. I mean, they still yeah, talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but back then I was like, you know, focus on the study, <laughs> you know, get good grades. And then I was like, I, I kept on avoiding like parties uh, that my well, friends Well, you're very good because I didn't even do both. <laughs> I didn't even study. Yeah, yeah. But, I didn't really network. Yeah, but that's the thing about university and college. Uh, it's actually a good time for you to build relationship, learn how to build relationship yeah. and learn how to But you network. see, I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? Because if you spend time doing all that, then if you don't get the grades, how are you going to yeah get the scholarship and all and all the stuff like yeah and and i don't blame also because you see for someone typically i don't know you correct me or wrong all the friends right that network build relationship and all that are they do they come from generally wealthier backgrounds uh actually it's all it's it's, it's, quite, mixed, it's, uh. it's quite mixed yeah okay because my from my experience right i realized if you let's say come from uh very poor i would say background it's harder for you because uh you're always torn right because you need some to guarantee your future a Mm. a bit more Uh, whereas someone who is wealthier or whatever they can choose to not do so well but and it doesn't matter they just just gonna have connections and they're gonna have you know parents money whatever so uh that's why i brought it up Mm, right uh Okay, uh, that's a fair point also. Yeah, yeah. But uh, actually the reason why I mentioned networking, it's more of like, if let's say your friend is doing a startup or doing like something yeah. on his own, you can actually like ask, hey, do you need anything to help out? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, the barrier to actually ask them or yeah, even yeah. like talk to them is much more easier if you don't build a relationship. Yeah, yeah of then. course, of course. Yeah, so you can see, I mean, there's two sides of a coin. Uh. One, you can get good grades and then find a job. Hopefully you land a job. And then, or another thing is that you just make friends, make friends around. And then from there, who knows, maybe opportunity arise if yeah. you know how to, how to seize it. Lah. Yeah. Okay. So the third reality is that not all jobs are stable. Yeah. I mean, we can see like in 2021 or 2020, late 2021 and early 2022, there's a lot of layoffs. I mean, globally, right? I mean, yes. you see like the Tesla, you even see like the metaverse, everybody is like firing here left and right. And that is actually have to do a lot with your skills and competency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think not many people realize that you need to always uh, sharpen your skills. You need to be always be competent so that you can stay relevant in the industry and yes. stay as an asset to the company Correct. rather than a liability. So that is something you need to be aware of is that if you land a job, doesn't mean that you will still be working in the same company for the next five to even 10 years. Yeah, yeah you never know. The fourth point is that, again, not all jobs will pay you well. I mean, I've read news that doctors or even nurses or maybe even engineers are getting paid minimum wage yeah. or even less than that. Yeah. So that is something you need to realize like, at this era. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't really uh, have the same outcome as the previous generation. Yep. Yeah. So uh, in order to, for you to be competent and to survive in this uh, workforce, you definitely have to do a lot of things. You have to, have to do a lot of soft skill sharpening I, I think, and all I of that. I think here's skill. how I get add on to your point, right? Uh, becoming a professional like a doctor, lawyer, engineer is great when there aren't a lot of doctors, lawyers, engineers. Yes, correct. Right. If you're, you see, if I say I have a degree today, great. Like to impress someone, I have to say something like, uh, degree in uh, physics from Cambridge. Then then I'll be like, oh, cool, okay. But even then I'll be like, oh, okay. I've yeah. heard this before. Mm. During our parents' generation, if you say that I have a degree, they'll be like, wow, fantastic. Where do you go? Like, whoa, whoa. But during our grandparents' time, if you say you had a degree, right? Like automatically, you know, please marry Fair, my yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. Right? Uh, and so what, what, what does all this mean? Well, it's all about demand and supply, right? And this was one of the reasons why I didn't get a degree as well is because I realized that it's actually very simple. You want to be in areas that are generally short in supply, Hmm. right? If you go 
get a degree, first of all, it's a high supply kind of uh, environment. Oversupply, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at how many people are still underemployed. I mean, yeah, we yeah. know unemployment, right? I mean, it's still like three to 4%, but there's still a lot of underemployed yeah. people. Yeah, so that is- Yeah, uh, I and, mean, and so the question you have to ask today is what skill or what thing you can do that is in low is that is low in supply. Mm. So I mean we've all heard of things like software engineering, yes. uh, I don't know what else. Yeah, TikTok influencers, yes, it's they, they are short, like they're, they're rare. Um, you know, things like that. Only fans creators. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. I mean I read stats that they make like one million per month. I mean that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, they, yeah. they they actually make more than the traditional adult industry like, if they were to do it. Then of course, like one of the reasons why we are in YouTube as well is because it's also a creative place. So one of the things, one of the trends I can see moving forward is that the focus on specialization will reduce. It will never disappear. We always need specialists. But generally, especially during our parents' time, they'll say you make the most money when you're a specialist. Mm. I think that trend is going to be a lot dimmer and a generalist would start to become more valuable. So what is a generalist, generally speaking, is someone who is in a creative industry, usually. What they are doing is they are taking different parts of the world and combining it together to produce, produce something. So someone like Elon Musk is probably someone like that. Yeah. Right? Steve Jobs, right? He combined calligraphy with, you know, uh, art mm-hmm. and how things look with electronics. They were just watching a TikTok two days ago and he said that why Steve Jobs was really great is because since he was young, right, when he looked at electronics, he's not looking at what the electronics can do or what's the wiring inside or how to build it. That's how an engineer would think about it, which is great, like we need those. But he was obsessed about how it should look like, like Mm. visually from the outside, how it should look like. That's all he was obsessed about. And so when he was, that was when he was five years old, when he's 55, you look at Apple products, you can see see his obsession on his products, Mm. right? One button, slick, right? The apps. You know, it's it's so nice. And you realize one thing, if you let the engineer design, let's say, right, the Apple yeah, product, yeah. right? They'll say, I mean, they'll try to say that it's impossible. Uh. No, yeah, no, no, no. So like, like you look at the apps, right? So you look at the app, right? Today, a, a typical Apple app, I'm not sure about Android, probably the same, but of course they were the pioneers. If you let an engineer design it, how the apps will probably look like it's a square. Right. Right? Yep. So when you, but what, Apple did is that they they put curves at yep, the yeah, side, yeah, yeah. right? Like you see here. So I say this because uh, YouTube, as you know, recently did the exact same thing. So, you know, Google, the, the, the phrase in Google is that it's for nerds because Google has a very strong engineering. Correct. And so you look at like YouTube, right? They were mainly square. The subscribe button was very square, rectangle, right? Sharp edges. Uh, today, they finally caught up. Yeah. And today the subscribe button is a, a circle. Yeah, circle. You have yeah, nice over, curves, over, yeah. right? So anyway, the point is, I think uh, you want to get into creative industries because uh, mm. then you are like unique. Then you like can do many, many different things Yep. and you can bring many things to the table. Right. Actually to top it off is actually in the next slide. So our, we're actually going to discuss about how you can yep. actually uh, stay competitive or stay relevant in your workforce. Yeah. Okay, so number one is that people always mention always add value. Yeah. But we don't know what is the meaning. I, I Maybe some of you guys don't know what's the meaning of add value. Uh, the most obvious uh, answer to this is actually very simple. Number one is sales. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to add value to the company, how can you improve sales for the particular company? It doesn't matter what, uh, it really doesn't matter how technology evolves or that mm. sales yes, still is eternal. Yes, correct. Sales is always king. Yeah, that's number thing. Number one thing that a company or let's say you are a business owner, you also yep. need to think about, yeah, it's yep. how to improve sales. Uh, number two is cost is key, but uh, there's actually a catch to this because if you are not someone who can keep up with the trend, technological yep. changes, and also to provide uh, efficiency in mm. their operation, you will still be replaced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if uh, the only thing that I will see that is less likely to be replaced, uh, maybe it's the marketers. 
if let's say they are very at the top tier of their job. So, so for example, you hire Peng Jun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. are you going to replace Peng Jun with another marketer? Pro- probably not. But if let's say he start to complacent, then yeah, yeah. yes, then maybe you start. I, I think when you, if you're an individual, you want to add value. Actually, um, like always ask yourself whether you can contribute in these two or three ways, okay? So uh, let's use our investing knowledge here a bit. Mm. So we know that companies that are good can be profitable over time, over the long run, right? So what affect profit, we know is sales and costs, yep. right? So your job, if you want to add value is very simple. When you go to your employer, right? Or when, even if you are creating products, Let, let's do employer first. Lah. Let's mm. say you're going to employer, I want to work for you. The thing you cannot be asking is, how much holiday am I going to get? How much I'm going to get paid? Yeah. Do I get this benefit? No, you can ask that later on. But the first thing you want to ask is yourself is how you can improve the guy's sales or reduce the guy's cost. Mm. So improve the guy's, the guy's sales would be, you know, Either you are a marketer, like say, you know, I can increase your awareness yeah. or whatever. Lah. Yeah, or you're just good, a very good salesperson. Lah. Right, or yeah. a very good salesperson yeah. or or even like I can manage your team very well, whatever, mm. lah, right? So of course you need to back that up lah, if you can. Then the cost part, right? It's not just like you can uh, save the guy money. Yes, of course, that's the most immediate one. So for example, one thing that I did when I offered to work for my first companies, like, no salary. Mm. So the boss is really getting a benefit in terms of what I'm going to produce. Even if I produce average work, right? But I'm paid below think, market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So below market rates for average work is fantastic, mm. right? So um, of course, you don't want to just do average work. Correct. But you want to... Uh, you know, you want to show results. Like you want to show yeah. something to them first so but, that you can prove. But the part them. about cost is not just like, oh, I can do things cheaper for you. That's mm. always great. Every like employer will want that. Mm. But also saving time or saving headache. Like you pay me, maybe you, maybe you pay me more than the typical, let's say operations guy or whatever. But if you pay me more, you know, I can get your product out in like 60% of the time that you're currently doing, hmm. or I can uh, uh, manage this team for you. So you can go on and focus and do other things. So that is also uh, a way of like value adding, I hmm. would say. Yep. So again, very simple, right? How can you contribute to the company sales and how can you contribute to the company's uh, low costs? Cost, yeah. If you have the ability to do one or the other or both, is yeah. you are very unsackable. Let me right. put it that way. Uh yeah okay so this one is actually a pretty interesting yep, <laughs> uh, yep, another yep. way of thinking right it's uh instead of asking for salary maybe you want to get them to ask whether you can get paid with equity stake now this mm. is a very rare question I believe not many will actually ask this mm. like <laughs> who will go to interview and say I mean people will be expecting how much is my salary you wouldn't yeah. say like how much am how much am I getting out of your company like how many percent yeah, of yeah, the yeah. am I getting yeah but it's- it shows like a different kind of mindset. Yeah. If you if an employee actually approach to this kind of a uh, way because you are genuinely wanting to help that company. Yes. Yeah. If you have a stake, you definitely have the drive to yep. grow the company even Correct. more. So that yeah, you will be worth more. Lah. I mean, uh there's a very classic example. Uh I believe is Shamaf. Shamaf Palitata. Yes, yes, yeah. correct. So he back then he actually worked for Facebook. I believe uh, when he negotiated with his employer, he wanted an uh, a cut yeah. of that uh, company. So if you don't know what that company is, he actually worked for Facebook. Yeah, when it's actually pre uh, before IPO, before they even go public. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, he knows he sees that there's uh, what's the company's worth, mm-hmm. and the risk he actually whatever risk that he take actually managed to pay it off. I mean, mm. he's now a billionaire. Yeah, because of his thing. Yeah. Yes. So, so actually, building on that, there's this guy called David Cho. Mm. So he he's even crazier. When Facebook was starting out, he, I think he was doing some interior design for Facebook or something like that. Um, like, and then what he did was he 
he like Facebook couldn't pay him or something like that. Mm. Then he was like, yeah, you just uh, give me like 60,000 US dollars worth of Facebook stock. Wow. That was back, this back was like in? right at the beginning. Oh my Right God. at the beginning. So he was like, yeah, he was just, I don't know whether it's interior mm. designing. La. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's the same story, story as Shamaf. Yeah. 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 No, but he's even crazier because Shamaf actually worked, like worked there. Yeah. He was just a guy like, I don't know, <laughs> painting for them. Uh, you can't pay me. Yeah, you can your Facebook chest, whatever. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like the Bitcoin story. I'm getting paid. I mean, a yeah. pizza delivery guy getting yeah. paid with Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, this kind of stories, uh, I think, uh, but yeah, you're right in, in, in general. Uh, do consider accuracy stake, but you also have to be aware and you have to see whether your company uh, actually wants to go listing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you that's, that's why that in, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be smart. Like, I mean, you have to do your, yeah. that's why you have to do research before you actually exactly. even go interview, right? So exactly. that's the key thing you need to know. Uh, and the last thing is that if you want to really, I mean, improve your income, right? Uh, one thing is definitely you have to, you have to do for freelancer. I yeah. mean, you have to find for side hustle or maybe even start your own business because when you start your own business, that's where you know, that's where you know the pain and also you start to be more driven to think about sales, think about how to yeah. improve your cost and whatsoever. That and it's no different from like what I said just now about um, employers. Yes. Uh, if you, the way to think about it, if anyone's starting a business, uh, one thing that, uh, I, how I would approach it is that uh, the same way as the employer. Uh, think of customers as your employer mm. or clients or whatnot. Again, back to the sales and costing. Will your product help them make more money? That's one. But typically, most businesses will help them in the cost department. Mm. It will help the- Reduce time uh, for them yeah, to actually- Whether it's reducing time or whether it's saving them money mm. or whether it's uh, reducing a headache. So same concept. Yep, yep, I agree. Okay, so the final takeaway that we're trying to like push out this message is that are you actually an asset or a liability to your company? Uh, so that is something that you need to think about. Uh, and if you manage to like scratch your head and think about all of this stuff, I'm pretty sure that you are in a safe spot to stay relevant in the workforce and even uh, succeed uh, in a way. So I think that's about it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this type yeah. of mini podcast. Yes. Uh, if you we'll do be guys, uploading on Spotify as well. Yes, correct. So you can so, listen there. Yeah, and if you guys love this kind of like structure, uh, do let us know in the comments. Uh, I mean, we read all of your comments. So yeah. if you love it, we'll do more of it. And yeah, check, find us out in our Instagram, Facebook, follow us, all of our socials, all there. Links are all in the description and we'll see you in the next video. All right, see you guys.